Chapter Fifteen of Riolero, The Archipelago of Exiles by Godfrey Swevin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Terralaria. I had other questions, but we had run into a basin that had once been a harbor every bastion and rampart had been pounded and bruised by the billows till the debris lay scattered along the beach every house and building stood in dilapidation yet to look upwards over the terraced slopes of the lower hills was still to think of paradise magnificent temples pure with marbles and broken in outline with minarets and towers and niche statues dwarfed the forest trees or the cliff over which they stood there was not a meaner building to be seen it looked as if only the gods dwelt here amid blossoming or fruited trees and streams flashed at intervals athwart the verdant slopes and over a precipice or down a ravine they smote the dark rock with the noise of their silver sword and at every impulse from the capricious fan of the wind the emerald face of the cliff shone faintly through the silver veil of water that twisted back into a single thread again up for hundreds of feet the great stairs of the hills mounted each step crowned with a gleaming fane and enriched with meadow and orchard and time the supreme artist had been there with his brush i could see the moss and ivy and other coloured creepers brocade the human architecture and soften the gleam of the marble with their cool tracery beneath the warm passion of the setting sun the picture was most entrancing nothing was too new there was a quaint tone from the centuries even about the motley garments that clothed the throng of beggars in the roads and lanes for there were no streets and no comfortable-looking citizens and burghers to be seen unless the loungers that crowded the arcades and piazzas of the temples and leaned against the pillars up the hill were of that class i suppose that some convulsion of nature had wrecked the edifices of the flat by the beach and the piers of the harbour and that there had been no time or purpose for rebuilding them and as the sun flared up from beneath the turban of clouds that hid his disk the softened colour stole into the rents and crevices of the ruins and raised them into beauty the dim suffusion of rose lent a picturesque warmth even to the rags and patches of the lazzaroni that smeared with the unctuous indolence every available resting-place i was glad to get on shore for the rancid food of the falla had not been to my taste and the foul order and the sluttishness of the cabin were alone enough to close the pores of appetite there was at least power to move away from these on land yet the change was not altogether for the better dry though the roads and earth underfoot were from long absence of rain the nose was still assailed by something that seemed to strike out from all quarters a whiff of the sea wind would grow and again beat it down only to make it more obtrusive the whole putrescence of the earth seemed to have found here a lay-stall garrulesi looked quite unconscious of it we hurried along over the prostrate bodies that as the shadows clotted into night often tripped me up they might have been logs so irresponsive were they even to the impact of my toes 
i soon learned to jump over everything that seemed to gather more darkness to it and after a time we began to ascend and the streaks of moveless humanity lay along instead of athwart our path an occasional snore or groan or sigh told us of layers of it beneath the trees to right and left one consolation was our gradual escape from the purgatory of stenches as we rose what surrounded us i could not see but it seemed heaven to all the senses so keenly did they sympathize with that of smell in its new freedom we wound and zigzagged ever upwards till at last we reached the portico and arcade of one of the great edifices i had seen from the sea time and the seasons i could perceive even in the underlight of the stars had carved and wrought its walls with eccentric design and no human hand as far as i could see had interfered with their workmanship they had been analytic more than synthetic architects for when we went inside the stars peered down on us through chinks and rents with impudent curiosity it was indeed a strange building a great torch flared over what had once been the altar and moved and guttered in the baffling draughts as the eyes focused themselves to the sandwiched light and gloom i saw a great tablet of marble with a raised map of some mountainous country upon it in spent grease and resin and the huge faggot of pine splinters and pitch was stuck into a rent in it was still at its work of mapping in relief i followed the flicker of the lambent flame upwards and was amazed by the height of the roof or dome above the pillared nave and aisles even yet beneath the grime and smoke of ages and the litter of myriads of birds i could see carved woodwork of graceful or fantastic shape and an occasional dim relic of some gigantic fresco the windows were choked with logs and branches of trees and debris of all kinds and yet they showed how marvellous they were in their grace and magnitude how the architects could have raised that stupendous mass of stone to resist the centuries how they could have hung that sea of stone foliage and flower in mid-air were bewildering questions i could see the graceful floral shapes even underneath the guano of ages it was the scurviest sight i had seen for many a day but the worst was to come the crowd of rather noble-featured beggars that jostled each other on all sides were evidently preparing for rest mats of tree bark or dried leaves of a tough texture were being slung like hammocks from every corner of vantage garrulesi handed me one from a niche in the wall and some cordage and led me to a space between two pillars that was still unoccupied dozens came in afterwards and hung their mats above me and below me and on both sides of me till i felt stifled by the slung and snoring humanity that festooned me round he also pitched into my hammock some hard fruits and dried meats which i munched till i fell asleep with the fatigue of the unwanted exercise when i awoke in the morning this great ecclesiastical dormitory was unslinging itself unfledged deities were sitting in their hammocks as far up into the clustering darkness of the dome as my eye could reach and yawning and rubbing their grimy eyelids with their grimy hands 
they did not seem to notice the stercoraceous volley from the restless birds as the winged multitude flashed and screamed athwart the shadows or rustled and tore through the withered branches that filled the windows some of these callow gods descended the pillars or festoons of sleeping mats by finger and toe as nimbly as monkeys others were gathered round a great fire by the altar roasting grains or kernels of fruit whilst in corners lounged groups munching ugly viands that they held in their hands i was marvelling over this stupendous rookery watching its antics as it unrolled itself out of the coil of dreams and descended with its mats by ledges out into the foliated and clustered pillars when garrulesi appeared i scarcely recognized him so transformed was he by his change of dress instead of the spruce garments of the aleophane that added such neatness to his oratory he had clothed himself in a motley collection of rags of varied colour and texture his beard hung in smeary locks his hair was a mop and by some process that was almost artistic he had begrimed his features and hands he did not leave me time to question or reflect on the transformation of the divine demagogue into the beggar for he threw into my mat a bundle of choice antiquities that might perhaps have brought two pence at any rag market he assisted me to disentangle the fowl and rent miscellanea and to tack them together over my nakedness my other garments he took from me and bidding me to follow hid them i alone present in a secret crevice of a vault under the edifice he rolled a huge stone in order to conceal the aperture he explained to me that i must adopt in paradise the primitive clothing of paradise and that to appear in other guise would offend the humility and sense of symmetry of his people the greatest sages had preferred beggardom and a crust to wealth and luxury and what could any nation do better than to follow their example and at this point it flashed upon me that the crowds whom i had taken for beggars the night before were representatives of the nation when we returned to the temple above we found all the pillars and niches and roofs free from their chaplets and festoons of sleeping mats and the whole frippery stowed away in holes and crevices of the walls the birds had the upper ranges all to themselves and were evidently satisfied with the division of the space for they had ceased their screaming and uneasy flight the marble floor was covered with groups standing or sitting or lying engaged in easy conversation or in cooking or eating food most of the night's occupants had evidently gone outside i now began to see that most of those who cooked were beardless and although the rags of the two sexes were indistinguishable i could separate them by the different outlines of the forms and faces there was little respect or honour paid to the gentler sex they were jostled and pushed about they had to look after themselves and their interests the men had clearly all cooked their morning meal before the women had to be content with the remains of the fire and the remains of the heap of food that had been piled in one of the corners of the edifice there was undoubtedly equality of the sexes gallantry and chivalry had been banished as an insult to their common humanity after a time i could see that the women were struggling to seize a share of the food 
not for themselves but for others who were sick or weak or deformed the stronger men would have had it all but for this and the helpless would have gone unbreakfasted the women were most of them as brawny and tanned by the weather as the other sex and they had come by long struggle and heredity to be able almost to hold their own they hustled the crowd that stood in their way and gave tit for tat with as lusty a muscle as if they had navvied from infancy but it was interesting to see in them the survival of their old tenderness for the sick and feeble it was doubtless their maternal functions that had saved this relic from the general wreck of femininity End of chapter 15